Please stand for the call of worship. From every nation and every language, we cry out. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving. Amen. Good morning and welcome to worship here at Southside Baptist Church on this Mother's Day. We're glad that you're all here and you uh, are able to share with us and worship the one true and living God as we gather here to raise our voices and song and 
uh, songs of praise and prayers and to hear the word proclaimed as well. It's good to be here and to share together with you, but also to know that we gather here and seek to continue always uh, with our mission of being the presence of Christ wherever we go by building an inclusive community of grace first in this community and then beyond. And a part of that is welcoming all who come in to this place to worship, to know that we are here, all of us, to worship, but also to greet one another in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So today, as we, we continue on, we will uh, have an opportunity to do that as we pass a piece of Christ. If you have a chance to sign the tablet at the end of each pew, please do that and let us know that you are here and present with us today. So uh, take a moment and let's pass the peace of Christ uh, now. sanctuary. It is a, a joy to welcome those who might be viewing us by uh, YouTube broadcast. Uh, we had a little problem with that last week, so we apologize for that. And, uh, we believe we're back on, uh, on the air, so to speak. Today's service, uh, of course, on Mother's Day, is uh, the theme for Dr. Roxburgh is the church as mother. And uh, allow me to uh, extend my own welcome to all uh, present, especially to those who have uh, uh, become mothers in, in the physical sense, but also those who uh, are mothering in the broader sense of the word. Uh, it's lovely that uh, Dr. Roxburgh's theme today is the church as mother. We talk about the, you know, the mother church, where we're, you know, we're, church where things started, uh, where things were born, and that sort of thing. And so there's the beautiful concept of, of uh, birthing and creating. And so within our hearts, uh, those of us who are, are dads also uh, like to get in on that. But I think in this particular chance, I see Mrs. Roxborough back in the back. Because the Brits have mothering Sunday a little bit earlier, right? Uh, and then today being Mother's Day, uh, Gwen gets two Mother's Days. So, uh, you know, that's a, that's a lucky deal. That's a pretty good deal. So it's glad, we're glad to have everyone here today and hope that you are, uh, will, will continue in this sense of, of the worship. Where our, our texts, of course, are based on that. You'll find the next tune, which is a, uh, uh, it's, it's sort of an old folk tune, as it were, uh, to O Lord May Church and Home Combine. So we'll sing that in just a moment. May we go to the Lord in prayer. Oh Lord, you are our God, you are our creator. Instill in us the, the love and joy of your creation, especially in this hour as we worship together here corporately and then as we take that worship out into the world that we may sow those seeds of love and kindness and grace throughout our week 
be with us and guide us in all we do, and may we do it for your great glory and not our own. We pray that in the name of Christ. Amen. May we stand and sing together. The hymn is 684, O Lord, may church and home combine. first reading from scripture today is one that is very familiar. You've heard it and probably recited it countless times. One that depicts the Lord as shepherd, but would have been certainly indicative of a king that was a good shepherd to his people. And now we read this, remembering that the good shepherd cares for his sheep, and he also is faithful to Give them rest and nourishment along the way. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here ends our first lesson from Scripture. Our second reading is from the book of Revelation, chapter 7, and reading verses 9 through the end of the chapter. After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Robed in white, with palm branches in their hands, they, they cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne, and they worshiped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, robed in white and where have they come from? I said to him, sir, you are the one that knows. And then he said to me, these are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. be seated. Well, let me ask you something. All of you gathered here, it's good to see you all today. We've got um, Abby and Timothy with us too today, and that's good. They're here. And Jack, Martine, and Millicent. What is today? What's special about today? Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day, right? And with it being Mother's Day, I know that you've done some special things already, have you not? 
You did what now? Oh, so mom had to work and you put roses out for her. Yeah. Okay. So they were out before she got up? Yeah, we put them up the night before. And okay. then when she got up, we would say what she said. No, it made, it made the day very special, didn't it? First thing. What about you? Um, we got her some presents. And so um, when, she, when we left, she was um, still sleeping. So she's going to, like, she, she's probably awake by now. But um, we left some presents out for her. That's good. Good. And so all of you are doing something special for your mom. And why do we do that? We're th we're, are you thankful for your mom? Yes. We are, aren't we? And some of us don't have our moms with us anymore, but we remember all they did for us and all the things they do for you now. And sometimes they say to us, no, you can't do that. But why do they say that? Because it's good for us when they tell us no. But they also help us in all the ways that, that we can. They help us to grow up. They make sure that we are, um, do they ask you about your homework and other things like that going to school? Timothy, is that is yours? That's true. Um, and so, so our moms have not only given birth to us, but they also make sure that every step of the way that we're cared for. You know, there, there's a lot of things about God that's motherly. God in heaven is careful to make sure that we're nurtured, that we're cared for, that we're loved, and because that's what God is. And a mother's love really comes from God because God has created her that way. And so the love she shares for you, the sacrificial love, willing to give herself for you, is a, a great testimony of what, an example of what God has done for us in our own lives, but also through the life of Christ as he made uh, him a sacrifice. Our moms are very special, and we don't need to forget that any day that we, we can share and show them that we love them. And there are a lot of different ways besides presence. Abby, I bet you know a couple of ways, don't you? How can you show your mom you, that you really love her? Tell her. Tell her. You can tell her. You can tell her. You can tell her you love her. Isn't that a good way? And then how do you show it? You may give her a hug. You may uh, behave, do the things she asks you to do. <laughs> Are you saying that's not true? <laughs> Timothy? What now? You devote the day to her by making it special and sort of do special things for her. Take her to uh, fix breakfast for her or presents. All those things are ways that we can show that our moms, that we love them. There are a lot of folks who don't have children but have been very uh, involved in nurturing a lot of others. They've cared for us, maybe an aunt or uh, maybe a sister, someone that didn't have children, but they still mothered us. They cared for us. They nurtured us uh, along the way. And so we need to remember them as well. So today as we, we uh, finish up here, I want to give you a flower to take to your mom. And you can give that to her too. But before we do that, uh, we want to offer prayer, uh, giving thanks for her and for all that they have done for us. Lord, we thank you for those who gave us life and, and the sense of uh, bearing us and, and that we were born into the world. We thank you for all the care they gave to us. For those who are our uh, biological parents, but those who uh, provided the nurturing care for us who may not have had children of their own, but yet they 
imparted your love to us in various ways. For all those, we are grateful. We ask, Lord, that we would always remember and give thanks for them. In your name I pray. Will you join me in prayer this morning? God of grace, breathe your spirit into every part of our service and our worship this day. When we pray, grant that we may speak to you as a person speaks to their friend. When we read your word, help us to hear it and to understand it, to receive it, to remember, and to put it into practice. Loving God, you are near to all who cry to you. Hear the prayers and hear our prayers for those this morning who are afraid and those whose heart fails them because of fear. We pray for those who are elderly, who are conscious of losing their powers, the ones held for granted, who perhaps fear for the future. We pray for all who are ill, for those undergoing tests and scans, who do not know what is wrong and who cannot help fearing and imagining the worst, who look forward to an uncertain future. We pray this morning that you would grant them courage and peace to conquer the dread of what lies ahead. We pray for those who are hesitant or reluctant to shoulder some responsibility, to accept some task that has been given. Grant resilience and strength to accept your calling upon their lives. Bless those who are not afraid of what people will say if they do what is right Help them to walk in your presence and to know that you are with them and grant that they will not fear what others say about them. Bless all who are afraid of the future, afraid of what might happen in their own life or what will happen in the chaos of our world. Grant to all of us the trust that comes that even though the earth may give way, we do not need to be afraid because you are our God. Bless those who are just afraid all the time, whose nerves are constantly on edge, for whom worry is a constant companion and who instinctively expect the worst to happen. Grant that they may know you will always be with them. You will never leave them or forsake them. And so grant we pray that all who are fearful, even ourselves, may have the courage and the calm that comes from facing life with you by our side. God of grace, God of hope, hear all our prayers offered in the name of our Savior, who taught us to pray with confidence and to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Mother's Day can be a problem for preachers. Like everybody else, I had a mother, Mary Roxborough. Her name be blessed forever and ever. My wife is a mother, my two daughters are mothers, but Mother's Day is not on the liturgical calendar. It's not an official church festival of, at all, like Advent or Pentecost. 
there are no lectionary texts for Mother's Day. In fact, the church officially ignores it, which is not a good idea, let me say, because the fact is that there are mothers here in church today, and it's Mother's Day, and some of you are thinking about your mothers. Um, indeed, with so many bringing mothers uh, to church or bringing children to church, uh, it'd be silly not to think about Mother's Day. Uh, I hope you've all made your reservations for lunch. If you haven't, you're probably too late, although I have a table for Seasons 52 at 12.45. You can make your offers in the Nerfex when we're serving the lemonade and the cookies later on. We celebrate Mother's Day for obvious reasons. We're grateful for motherhood, although the day can be painful for those who are not mothers, who would love to have been mothers, or have lost their mothers and still feel the pain of that. On a broader understanding, as Dr. Kelly has suggested to us this, this morning, the idea of the church has often been seen within Scripture, within Christian theology, as being important in our spiritual journey as a mother caring for us as the people of God. In Romans chapter 16, Paul gives greetings to a variety of people who are in the church in Rome, and he includes Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and greet his mother, a mother to me also. Strangely, he doesn't give her name, but obviously the people in Rome knew who he was referring to. And this mother of Rufus is also a mother, a spiritual mother, presumably, to the Apostle Paul, had been influential in his human development, in his spiritual development, in his journey of faith. Around about the middle part of the third century, there was a leader of the church called St. Cyprian. And he put it this way, you cannot have God as your father without the church as your mother. And in the 16th century, John Calvin said something similar. He said, we are guided by the church's motherly care until we mature and at last reach the goal of our faith. For those to whom God is father, the church is also mother. Now, in our reading for Eastertide from the book of Revelation, uh, we read about the church of Jesus Christ in heaven, worshiping God. It's a description of the people of God who have come to know God for themselves, who have known the presence of God with them as a shepherd, caring for them, nurturing them. And this community of faith that the Apostle John says, no one can count from all people, from all tribes, from all nations. This is the church of which we are a part this morning. This is a church which has nurtured us in our spiritual journey of faith. Now, people understand the book of Revelation differently. Some have their own opinion, and some agree with me and have the true opinion of what the book's all about. It's a book that's, I think, something to do with the spiritual journey, a bit like John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, an allegory with lots of metaphors, lots of images along the way to encourage us in our journey towards the eternal kingdom of God. And on that journey, we receive much encouragement. We receive the encouragement of those who are part of the family of God, not only here and now at this present in time, but also down through the centuries. And when we think about Mother's Day, we think about those who, like Paul, can think about a mother who has been with them in their spiritual journey, not just those who gave them physical life, but those who encouraged them in their spiritual life. 
And Revelation chapter 7 helps us to remember the church of Jesus, to remember those who have been of particular significance to us in our journey. The Baptist writer Carlisle Marney used to say that the, the human personality is like a house, a fairly complex, elaborate structure with a living room, a dining room, a kitchen, a bathroom, bedrooms, and a basement where the plumbing is and where you put all the things that you want to disappear from the main part of your house. Sometimes, he says, we live in the living room, sometimes in the bedroom, sometimes we're even down in the basement. But if you step out onto the front lawn, you'll see something that you didn't realize was there. You'll see a balcony. And on the balcony are some people. And these balcony people are the good and the strong and the healthy influences upon your life as the people of God. Your parents may be there, your mother, your father, your grandparents. And those who have been teachers, coaches, friends, old neighbors, people who have influenced you for good. Perhaps people like Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King Jr., people like Mary and Elizabeth in Scripture. Your great-grandparents may be there. You look up to them, and you are thankful to God for them. That's what we have in Revelation chapter 7, a balcony of believers. And we look at that, and we see that they've come out of great a trial, great ordeal is the word that it's translated in Revelation chapter 7. They've had difficulties in their spiritual journey. They faced opposition. Perhaps John is thinking about the persecution that's happening at the end of the first century with the emperor Domitian, trying to call the people of God, Christians, to worship him rather than Jesus Christ. They've been in difficulty. They're suffering for their faith. And John looks to this group as an inspiration in his own life, as an inspiration to help him to keep going and not to fail in his commitment. So where are we finding our inspiration in these days? Who provides encouragement for us? How have you seen the Spirit working in people down through the years? Who helps you to remember that you're not in your own? Who's on the balcony this morning, strengthening you and inspiring you? For John, the encouragement is the worldwide church, a great multitude that no one can count from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. There's no scope, or there's no limit to the scope of this multitude, be it geographic, ethnic, numeric, linguistic, economic, and on and on and on the list goes. This is a community that is truly inclusive and extensive. We live in a world where people want to exclude people, even from the life of the church. I love the poem of Edward Markham called Outwitted. He drew a circle that shut me out. Heretic, a rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle that took him in. And this is the circle of the love of God within the life of the church. Not everybody we agree with, not everybody, everybody is identical to us, but God's grace has reached this group of people. And this group of people have hopefully been an encouragement to us in our spiritual journey. And God's grace includes this vision within Revelation chapter 7. The church is from all over the place. The church is worldwide. The church is committed to Jesus Christ.
And this is the church this morning of which we are a part. And sometimes the church has hurt us, disappointed us. But we are the church. We disappoint one another. But by the grace of God and the love of God and the forgiveness of God, we are thankful for those who are a means of motherly care within our lives. The vision of this church is not only worldwide, it's also a worshiping community. And so we have verses that say this, they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell down on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God singing amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. The scene of worship, the picture we have of the church of ourselves is focusing their attention on God. The nature of our consumer society sometimes makes worship into our own personal taste and time, convenience and comfort. But worship is not a means of satisfying ourselves. Worship is a means of glorifying God. Marva Dawn, many years ago, wrote a book on worship which she entitled, A Royal Waste of Time. That's what people, I suspect, who are not Christians, think about worship on a Sunday morning. I mean, it's raining. Why on earth would you go to church on a wet day? <laughs> Marva Dawn suggests we, we, we do it in order to express to our God, that he is the center of our lives, that he is the one who makes life meaningful, that he is the one who is with us in the midst of all our journey of faith and difficulties, that God is the one to whom we give our attention. He is the one who gives us meaning and direction. Without worship, we might even say that our lives have no true center of reference Failure to worship impoverishes us because it consigns us to a, a life of, of spasm and jerks at the mercy of the latest advertisement, if you're British, or advertisement, if you're American, to live out our lives not according to who God is, but according to the changing values of the world round about us. The book of Revelation has many descriptions of worship. Because at the center of our lives, in order to help us to center who we are, in order to help us to face the vicissitudes of life, the changing circumstances, the fearful future, we need to focus our attention on God. And to cry along with the book of Revelation, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and forever the church which worships God. And this church is also a witnessing church, a serving community, serving one another and seeking to be the means through which God accomplishes his purpose. Now to be part of the church in the first century was no easy option. In fact, it was difficult. <laughs> Certainly by the end of the first century, John was on the Isle of Patmos, a penal colony, because of his testimony, because of his testimony to Jesus. Because of his faith, it had consequences. We don't have that problem here in North America. In different parts of the world, there are these difficulties. 
of being a Christian and the cost of following Jesus Christ. John paints a picture here, not only of a multitude that's known for its loyalty, but a multitude that's known as being active. The group is comprised of individuals who are, they've washed their robes, says John. They're not passive, they're active. They don't wait to be served by God. They are actively serving God regularly. This is the church of Jesus Christ of which we are a part. This is a church which nurtures us. This is a church which encourages us to keep going and to never give up. For the lamb is at the center of the throne and he will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of water of life and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Mother's Day. We're grateful for our mothers. I'm grateful for my own mother who nourished me emotionally, physically, and spiritually. My granddaughter, Charlize, has her Bible still with the bookmark in the section of the book of Psalms that she was reading just before she died. Her faith lives on as the faith of many mothers do, as the faith of the church does for each and every one of us. It lives on in the life and the witness of the church to which I come to focus my attention in worship, to seek fellowship, for I cannot have God as my father without the church as my mother. Will you pray with me? Grant that we who have benefited from the worship and the testimony of your people down through the years may in our lives be those who nurture one another in the life of faith, that we may be an encouragement and we may be fathers and mothers to those round about us. Hear our prayers. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we ask it. Amen. A hymn to close, number 250, concerning the church as the community of God living stones. Will you stand and sing?
Please pray with me. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you for the opportunity to come and hear your word and praise your name. And we thank you for all of our wonderful mothers, those with us today, and those who have gone before us. We pray your continued blessings on each one of us today and in the days ahead. May our time, talents, and tithes be further used for your kingdom here on earth. In the name of Jesus the Christ we pray, amen.
you, loving Lord, we bring these tithes and offerings. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would bless them and multiply them, that we might use them wisely to carry forth your kingdom's work here. In your name I pray. Amen. To be seated for just a moment, please. No special announcements this week other than we look forward to seeing some of you back on Wednesday night if you'll be here for Dr. Roxborough's uh, additional session in um, a study of the Paul, Pauline epistles or Paul's letters, uh, a good time of study and sharing together there in our fellowship supper on Wednesday night. It is Mother's Day and I hope all of you who have a chance to be with your mom, you do that. At least if you can't be there physically, call them and, and share with them. But also for those of us who can't, we remember fondly and thankfully all those ways that our moms did uh, nurture us in so many ways, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually as we, as we grew and as we leaned upon them for guidance day by day. As we go out, Dr. Roxborough will have her benediction and we will go out into the world. And may the Good Shepherd nurture and encourage you in your life of faith this day and forevermore.